right, we're back. Training Make, episode nine, Training Make podcast. I'm your host, Zach Tellender. I'm in a special location. I, uh, we're, we're, we're in Milwaukee at the American Open. I'm joined with two very distinguished coaches in American weightlifting. Um, to the right of me, I have Max Ada, owner of Max's Gym in Oakland, right, yeah. Max? Oakland, California. Um, and to the left of me, I have Sean Waxman, the Sean Waxman of Waxman's Gym in LA. Yeah, Lawndale at Los Angeles, either one. You know, I'm not. I don't know my my California geography. Um, both of which have had multiple world team members, national champions, uh, and, and so both are very distinguished coaches. And I just I don't really have much structure, guys. Um, it's okay. I, I, I like well, to shoot the keep, shit. I think we've both had some. We both had American record holders. Yes. Right. Yes. Both in the same in, in the same weight class. Same weight class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had some people that held it for just a few weeks. Um, right. Yeah. Both handsome. Yes. Strikingly handsome. Yes. Yeah, so you want us to stop talking about ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. What was it? Uh, Maxman's gym. Maxman's, Maxman's gym. That's that's the new enterprise. We're gonna okay. Be. We're going to meet in the middle and open it up in Bakersfield. Yeah. Bakersfield. Yes. Is that directly in between it's Oklahoma? Much, Again, yeah, I need to work on my it's California. Like, it's like the worst of both parts. Yes. I would say exactly. <laughs> so, Max, Alyssa, yesterday, yeah. obviously with that huge clean and jerk, yeah. uh, snatched eighty, missed eighty-two twice. 82, yeah. Um, what was what was the deal with her preparation for this meet, and why uh, was it different? Or yeah, so going coming off of Worlds, I was mistaken by <laughs> mistaken slash confused. I I was under the impression that AO3 wasn't a qualifying event for Pan Ams, and because everyone's ranked by Roby score, we you know we took it at Worlds you know kind of conservatively, and she performed well, made five or six lifts, but totaled one seventy eight. Uh, which put her equal, like tenth on tenth on the list, right? Okay. Uh, for Pan Ams, and that's just a risky place to be. The other thing is that I really wanted to have a long time to prepare for a meet, so we could actually go and try and win Pan Ams. I didn't want to have a short, you know, oh, train for two and a half months to qualify, then two months to go, and so my my thought was like, well, I know she's in shape. We can create a little short training block that gets her to maintain that ability and, and we can maximize everything we can, one more shot, and, and if we can just bump that score up to you know 182 would have been plenty plenty yeah. good enough to not have to do another meet to qualify for Pan Ams. Um, and so the preparation for that was, was a little different in that we basically, instead of having any kind of general phase of training and instead of having any kind of real peak, we basically took the the total volume and spread it out evenly across all the weeks. It was about six weeks, I think, five weeks. Mm-hmm. We started training like like she got back on a Monday. We started training on Wednesday. So she had a couple of days off after Worlds, and we just went right into it. It was all real gradual from there, but um, that, that volume was pretty even. And what we did is we took the average intensity and the relative intensity and basically just slowly increased. So it was a pretty aggressive training cycle right. where we were basically just you know, ramping up as we approach this meet. And what we did is uh, we worked a lot on some technical stuff with her. She had some big problems in the snatch and the clean in kind of like trying to power the lift and catch it high. And and it really killed her in the clean because she just had no confidence in actually catching a bounce and rebounding. Her legs are not strong. Right. Her best 
grunt squats 115. Her best her best jerk is 120. 20, yeah. yeah. And her best clean and jerk is 105. I wouldn't know about that because my legs yeah, are so yeah, your strong. Your legs are so incredibly you strong. You seen these that, things? Yeah. You seen these things work? Uh, the knee is the thickest part of his leg, by the way. <laughs> um, so that was kind of the basic plan, the approach. Worked on those technical aspects, catching things low in the snatch, uh-huh. receiving the bar as high as we can in the clean, and, and you know getting a rebound. Yeah. Um, but we didn't actually take a lot of heavy lifts. We did some heavy lifts in the snatch, obviously, because it's necessary in our lighter weights. Um, she hit 80 about five, maybe eight times total, and a lot of them were like from blocks or from you know from different, different position yeah. or something like that. Did a few. Did you know worked up to 80 on Monday before the meet as an opener. And then uh, clean and jerks, we didn't go above 95 at all, the whole time. We did three single repetitions of clean and jerk the whole time. Everything else was, you know, a three plus two or three plus one or two plus two or something like that. Everything was kind of tightly grouped in that real like 80 to 85, 75 to 85% range. And then, you know, from there we we went in and, and, and did well. She had to cut 1.7 kilos the morning of the weigh-ins. And, which is outrageous. Which is something that I've actually changed my opinion on because I I was real big on training closer to your body weight and coming in and doing just the hyperhydration method and, and basically not having to do anything with heat. And the last two meets in Turkmenistan and Worlds and here we did the sauna and we were really aggressive with them. This was the most aggressive weight cut I've seen her do. And what, she rebounded from them better than I've ever seen. Well, so she... And she's obviously a lighter weight class. Yeah. I wonder how much a sauna affects a lighter lifter as opposed to someone. I think it's individual. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's. But I got a question. Yeah. How did you? You said you kept the. You spread the volume. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with your volume off a pad? Like what? What? what so, and what did it compare with the past? So it's it was similar to the past. It was similar to what we would have in like an like an we call like a pre-competition or an intensification phase. Okay. So, it's just his, based off historical numbers. Okay, that's, that's um, okay. She did around, I want to say, you know, th- there was an, you know, to say it was flat loading is not true. It, was, it did escalate, sure. but the volume was very small. It was like 15, 20 reps, maybe difference per week. Probably more like 10. Um, but, uh, you know, she does around, you know, I count from 60% and above, and right. she does around 350 reps in a week. In the intensification. Yeah, and it's not not in like right. a, a preparatory phase. She'd be yeah. doing a lot more than that. Um, and there was there really wasn't a lot of anything else. There's, it's funny because there was really very little squatting in the program. I took a lot of the squatting out um, because I was putting so many more cleans in, and I realized that that you know the problem is not her legs aren't strong enough. They're just barely strong enough. But it's not that they're too weak. And more and more squatting just makes her a little bit slower and doesn't help. And so the whole thing was you've got to do more clean. So however we can accumulate more clean volume, we're going to do that. And that was that was the, the goal. And obviously it was... So in, in a preparatory, you're saying you do more than 350? Yeah, we probably do a little more than that. Yeah. Probably close to like 400. She does a lot. She's she's a wow. small lifter. Yeah. Right? Yeah, she's no. female. She's older, so that would that would dial that down a little bit. Right. Um, she's like... But she's nuts. She's she's, not, well, she I don't want to say it. She came, from cro- <laughs> she came from CrossFit, right. too. Where, right, where it's work, where, work, work. And, yeah. and she's that kind of personality where, like, I don't think... No one really knows this because no one's seen her as, like, a 55-kilo person. But when she's 55 kilos, she doesn't stop moving. She just keeps moving around. Like, her body's always moving, moving her arms. Her legs yeah, yeah. Like a little kid. Yeah. 
It's like, if I'm walking down the street, I better be moving all of my limbs because why wouldn't you? It's just fun. <laughs> so she's always moving, right? So she has a really, like, you got a gas strong tank, ability, man. yeah, to metabolize training. So she does she does very well in those training. And that's... The um, intensity would be lower than too, right? right. The intensity is lower, so. I think when I started with you, we, we, we had a couple conversations about this. Um, and because I think a lot of my listeners may not understand that there is a difference in the way that you would attack a micro cycle um, depending on your weight class, your age, yeah. and your, your, your gender, your sex, right? Yeah. So, so when you're um, a female 49 like Alyssa, well, she's a little bit older, but she can have uh, how many stimulative days yeah. in a week, right? Like what would you yeah, say, well, four to... to well, it depends, you know, because a lot of it is like you got to look at you got to look at how exercise stimulates the organism. So if you think about all the different factors that can affect it, height, limb length, you know, if you have longer limbs, if you're right. taller, yeah. you're moving the bar further, right? So those factors affect, influence total training load in a negative way, meaning you have to reduce it. You know, males are going to have more stimulative training, right? They can, they can produce more force relative to their body weight. You know, these, these factors all the fast twitch athletes, you know, you guys both know James Townsend. Yeah. He's like the opposite end of the spectrum of Alyssa in that he, he's the kind of guy who would get like 200,000th place in the CrossFit Open, like workout one. Then he would turn around and power clean 190 without a hook rope, weighing 200 pounds. Right. And he ran like a 10, 10 to 9 in high school, right? The guy is the most explosive human being ever. Right. And, and super tall and long limbs. So he is training volume is really low. All those factors go to influence really low training. He still makes lots of progress when he trains. He gets really strong if you give him training that makes him strong. He, you know, he, those things all help him, but the total volume is different because of those factors. Right? So training supers is, real, yeah. is a real art. Right. Yeah, because, you know, they, yeah, you have to, they have to have one, maybe two stimulative days a week. Right? Maybe you know, every 10 days. Maybe every 10 days, days. Yeah. Right. right. So, like, I think like, with supers, bigger athletes, you know, for me, it's like, it's, uh, I try to look at, like, every 96 hours mm. uh, as, uh, uh, as a, at least some kind of, so I would change, even, like, even with, all, with, with other lifters too, but, like, you can keep intensity high if you change the, if you change the, the, the modality a little bit like yeah. if you put them on blocks or something right and and for me it's you know with i like to each have a focus on each day so it's a it's a unit unidirectional kind of focus so like monday is a snatch focus tuesday's jerk wednesday is clean uh thursday uh jerk friday snatch uh saturday clean and jerk so you can maintain a little bit higher intensity because you're changing the modality daily. Yeah. Um, and like in the beginning of the week, so I, I look at my week as like almost like a, each week is almost like a competition. Uh, like I'll prep the, be, like the beginning of the week exercises will be uh, like more supplemental mm -hmm. boxes, yep. whatever the, whatever the, whatever we're trying to fix. And then, to, and then the second time we get the exercise in the week, it's going to be more closer to the classical exercise. Mm. And those, and just, for the listeners, this is specifically for heavier weight. Well, people. actually, it's for everybody. But like, I'll with the how I how can I can adjust that with heavier weight people is just you know really focusing on you have to manage the intensity. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And yes. and if they have, and you really have to really have to pay attention to addressing needs, especially if they're not, if they're really strong, you don't. You have to really be uh, careful about how you dose strength because their cup is not like their stress cup is small. Mm-hmm. Like they can't because being three hundred pounds is stressful enough, or three hundred fifty pounds is stressful enough. <laughs> So you have to be On careful. Family too. I don't right. want. I see. This is the thing. I don't want to be a part of this life, even though I'm lifting as a super heavy. Like, yeah, I was. I was a super heavy. I don't heavy. want to be yeah. in that it life. Was miserable. That's what I'm saying. And I'm not a big guy. Like the super. Like <laughs> I'm I just a lazy 109 or a 102. <laughs> you know, I don't want to cut at all. So. I mean, it was miser- It's a miserable existence, especially because it was forced. Like I had to force myself to be 135 kilos. Yeah, it's not a natural thing. Yeah. No, no. no, no, no. And I wasn't like. If you look at me, I mean, I take up a lot of space, but I'm not very big. Right. Compared to, like somebody, you somebody's they're mutants, they're like a different species. Yeah, these yeah. guys. And but you have to be real careful about giving them exactly what they need and not any more than they need yes. of anything There's, because they can come break at, them. Yeah, you can yeah. break them for sure. There's a definite <laughs> understanding how individual differences affect the athletes yeah. or the training. It never impacts individual differences, those kind of things, and and even you know drugs don't impact the contents of training they right. impact the dose of training right so a for example not in this sport but if you had a power lifter that was squatting 400 kilograms you know and they're on you know steroids or whatever they're the the magnitude of that stress on their body is more is very great so they're not going to squat 400 kilos probably every maybe once a training cycle maybe they do it right. once every month right there's there's got to be an an understanding that the more intense, the more stimulative the training is, the more time around that has to be not stimulative. Because right. it's just too intense. Yes. Right? So, so you understand, like big guys, they just cannot do that frequently. You also, because of that, the training has to be accurate. In right. that, you can't fuck up and be like, let's go heavy on Monday, and then be like, well, you know, like let's do it again on Friday. Right. You can kind of get away with that with smaller people, and right? Lighter lifters and less qualified lifters because. Like snatching eighty kilos isn't that hard on you, no matter no matter right. who you no matter who you, it's just yeah. not that yeah. intense. You right? know, forty eight kilo lifter and a and a super have the same size endocrine glands. Yeah, you know they're secreting the same amount of substrate, right? Same amount of, of things. The body works the same way. It's just when but when it's stressed, when you're so big, you know it takes a longer yeah period of time for things to travel around. Yeah. You know, so you got to be mindful of that. So in, in a vacuum, and this would be a nice little exercise of the mind here, because nothing is in a vacuum. Yeah. There's always external right. factors. There's always stress that we can't see even as coaches. Right. You can't see the stress that people live with. It's all the distress. Distress yeah. and you stressed. You know, distress is all the shit that's not weightlifting. Right, right, exactly. And so and you we... stress is what you're causing me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if... if it, so if, if if there were no other factors, and you were to say, you know, so, so 49 kilo weightlifting, and you were going to write a book, right? Right. 49 uh, kilo woman. You would say, how many of those days would you like to do stimulative or non-stimulative? Right? Well, so would you say anywhere I, from two I, to the, four, or is that not is, even possible? The goal is this, right? The goal is, the goal is to do the most, you want to do the most, sorry. As often as possible, you want to do as many overloading sessions as you possibly can. Now, 
that's the theoretical idea, right? The more close you are to the absolute threshold of, of training, yeah. that's the, where you're going to make the most progress. We know that's not possible to do that every single workout, every single day. So in between those sessions, there have to be sessions that are either maintenance loads or recovery training, right? right? How many different individual sessions between those stimulative training, those overloading sessions there are, is determined by the fact you just discussed, right? For a super heavyweight, you might have one overload session in the snatch that is, yeah. you know, this giant workload, whatever it is, whether it's high intensity or high volume, or it's a large mass of training, a large stimulus. After that, you need some kind of basically really low load mm -hmm. active recovery, and then again, slower building back to maintenance levels, some accumulation of volume, and then again, another overload. That might that process we just described might take it's, two it, weeks. The right. curve right? of yes. the undulation could be broader depending on your weight, right? right? So for, you we know, call like, it like the SRA curve, right? Stimulus, recovery, adaptation. Right. And that curve can be two days on the recovery end, or it can be different, half a day. Yeah, different things, different modalities well, have change. different SRAs, right? Like the, like that, that, the, the that process, of it, it right, doesn't, change. doesn't change. It's of just course. the shape of it is going to change. Yes. Right. Yes. That, see, this is the art of, of, you know, art of programming, but it has to, you know, again, two different super heavies could respond to, you know, a stimulus two different ways. Sure, sure. Right? I mean, at, uh, was James Townsend, right? Yeah. He's the same weight as a lot of other what, 96, or what, what, what weight class would he be? He's 89. 89. He's the same weight as a lot of 80, other 89s, but you would say maybe you have to t take it back with him even more. Right. Um, you know, so so you have to find the, the art of programming for a broad group of people, but then also learning how to implement it with the individual. But right? also, yeah, exercises have an impact on it as well, right? The most obvious thing is like, imagine a bench press versus a deadlift. Right. Or imagine a snatch versus a clean and jerk. You could probably snatch heavy, you know, let's say you're at 81 right. kilos. Dude, you could snatch heavy every day almost, right? Right. And for the most part. Right. Every other day. You're not gonna do that with a clean and jerk. Or, and or the back squat, clean right, and jerk, yeah. deadlift, you can't do those. The SRA right. curve of each exercise is different. And it's individual for each person, but it remains <clears throat> consistent in the sense that, you know, deadlifts, maximum deadlifts are going to have the largest SRA curve, you know, more so than doing curls, right? So, right. another thing that's a, a huge, I mean, I'm sure you guys both have heard of it, and I know that you and you were with Ivan Abajev, you said you can't go maximally in back squats or deadlifts or things that are going to fry you. Um, then, what's this... What, what are your thoughts then on the squat every day thing or the well, go max every day or some sort of a, and I hate to say it, Bulgarian style of training? It, in my opinion, I feel like it's very effective right away, like in a certain group of people right away. But anything is. Anything yeah. is, exactly. Yeah, you have to walk for 10 repetitions, you're going to get better in the beginning. <laughs> so, so this is what happens in the Bulgarian system if we try to apply the, the scientific principles of training is that what he's done is say, okay, we, we've isolated specificity and overload as the most important factors. We're going to emphasize those 100%. That's, that's the goal. What, what they've done to make the training less stimulative so it can be done more frequently is, one, eliminate any volume. So every single repetition in the Bulgarian system is a single. Sometimes two, three, right? But, but essentially you have zero volume. You have no, the number of lifts is very low. 
you've raised the intensity, which allows you to have to do less training than you would if the intensity was low. So if you're training at really heavy weights with really low volume, you can maintain abilities and maintain that level of training for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. You couldn't do squat every day if you did five by five at 80%. It's just not, no one can do that. Right. Like, find me somebody who could do that for two weeks. Just not gonna happen. You can squat 90% for a single every day. I know I did it for 13 years. Like, <laughs> it's, it's completely doable. Right. The place it falls apart is that when you, when you isolate all of the things you could do to get better, and you isolate it to just this distilled down single repetitions in the 90% plus range on a very, very narrow band of exercises, you eliminate the things that could produce adaptations that are beneficial for weightlifting outside of those things, right? So you end up with no other options to get better. You also have to continually drive up intensity and training, training volume, do everything you can to push those things forward to the point that you're at this maximum ability to train, but at the same time, you've pushed that so high that the minimum effective dose you can do is here. So in order to stay good, in order to stay at a certain level, you have to train this much, right? right. And the most you can do is here. And as you go, you just keep bringing these points closer and closer and closer together to the point that what you do is the thing that makes you, you know, barely able to hold your gains and at the same time is the most you can do. And then you're screwed. You yep. can't go any better. Yep. And that's the same thing that happens to like a master's athlete. Okay. The amount, of, the amount of training they have to do to get better exceeds for the amount of training they can do. The only way then to then take these two points and spread them apart again is what? Volume. Pills. It'll help. Medicine, right? Oh, 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 right. Because right, right. steroids will increase your maximum recoverable volume and decrease the minimum effective dose necessary to get progress. So you go like Devol this. Devol pills. Boom, yeah. You hit this point where you eventually just, that's it. That's all you can do. You're, these two points converge. Either take drugs or find a new way to train. Problem right. is when you go from Bulgarian stuff but see, what, what and happened? switch to a different way of training, you end up in a place where your MRV, your maximum recovery volume is here. So you switch a different kind of training, and and now you're not making progress because it's like you you've trained so hard before, you're not even doing enough to get better. I don't know if you agree, but no, I do, and I, I, I agree 100. percent It's uh, uh, and it's not for it, it's not for everybody either. I mean, I just to be able to. Well, yeah. I, actually, I have a question. How do they yeah. maintain fitness without that volume? They, they they're not fit. They they're, they're literally just at. You're training at a point where the the only effective dose is basically the maximum amount of training you can do. It's really weird because when you're in that place training, you find that a day off of training makes you feel worse, right? And people talk about this, you see it. I never really sat down and like took took all this in and really looked at it years ago with with the knowledge I have now and understanding of these principles and other stuff. Um, and I, I credit you know Chad and Mike Israel a lot for helping me really grasp the concepts and be able to look at the training program from a scientific perspective. But uh -huh. you see it a lot. Like people talk about the feel of lifting. Like oh, like I took a day off and I felt worse, so I should just train all the time. Well, what that really is is that you're taking a day off and you're losing fitness because you have so small a tolerance between what makes you better and what reduces your fitness that when you take a couple of days off. You might you take two days off in that system, you might reduce your training volume for the week by fifteen percent, twenty percent, right? 
one day, I mean, if you train five, six days a week, that's right. 18% is day off, right? Yeah. So it's like, you're just at this point where it's one and the other. It's really close. When, when you narrow down the effective tools, you also narrow down your possibility of making any sort of gains, well, right? When you... Yeah. It's not, not, not necessarily, but it's, I think Sean and I probably in the both, both in the same school of thought here in that we want to narrow those down as late in the career as possible yeah. because okay. the more qualified you get as a lifter and the closer you get, the closer you are to your career peak, the less means will be effective, right? So if you come in the gym day one and you do a muscle snatch with a PVC stick, you'll get better at snatching, right? Almost nothing makes you better. In the middle of your career, you've got to do some training load to get better. You've got to use a bunch of exercises to get better. But as time goes on, those things become less and less effective at improving results, right? Right. It just and, becomes work. Right. And that doesn't move you closer to what you need right. to do. And as you get closer and closer to your career peak, you have to eliminate, you only have so much training volume. You can only do 100% of the volume you can do. Yeah. When you get close to your peak, as much as that, as much of that training as you can possibly make has to be stuff that makes you better. And it unfortunately is only the things that are most specific, really heavy weights and snatch and clean right. and jerk. So, right? so then what, what would you say to people that are driving teenagers to max out every day? It's fast. You get great progress really That's what I'm quick. Saying, I think that, you know, 90 plus percent is super effective on a 17 year old. Yeah. They're going to kill but it. So is 70%. So maybe, 70%. Even, maybe even more right. so. Yeah. 70% for three. Yeah. It, see, for me at that, you got to set the expectations differently with younger athletes. You know, you got to stress, you know, how, let's see the quality of this 80% for three. You know, let's see, you know, to me, it's all about quality of movement because that's the time right in the beginning is when you have to make those patterns, right? You have to set those patterns yeah. and that rhythm and, and all that stuff. Because if you can't do it with 80% uh, perfectly, there's no fucking way you can do it 100%. Right. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Right. And, you know, mistakes. So, like, in the beginning, the mistakes that, that, that people make, especially kids, is mistakes of concept, right? Poor concept yeah. of what it's supposed to be and feel like. Um, when you get good, when, when a lifter gets, obtains, like, mastery of the, of the movement, then the mistakes become mistakes of weakness, right? It's not they don't know how to do it with heavy weights. It's just something's not strong enough that allows them to do it correctly. Mm -hmm. So then the, the focus of the training will change. But until you get mastery, and most people don't even get there. Yeah. So until you get that mastery, you know, then the focus must be on quality. And in order for it to be quality, uh, there has to be a higher volume and it has to be lower intensity. It doesn't, doesn't mean that you're not going to lift heavy. It just means that you have to lift the most that you can lift correctly and stay in that range and don't do it incorrectly ever yeah. if you can help it. Yeah. Um, you know, without, you know, there's not a lot of misses. Like when, when I have young lifters, they don't miss very often. It's not because, you know, I'm not afraid, I'm afraid to push them. It's I'm setting up also mentally the habit of success, right? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you have someone lifting at 90 plus percent and they're missing Fuck it's you're you're, you're basically yeah. putting them in a competition environment right they're they're how how can they compete better than what they've been training well how more importantly it's you know every time you touch the bar i want them to i want them to expect to make the weight yeah. you yeah. know there's an expectation because because if you always miss then your expectation is a, is you're going to miss and it's a surprise when you make yeah so 
you know, early on, not only are you honing the, the, the technical skill, you're honing the mentality of every time I touch this bar, I'm going to make it. Because why? Because you're making them every day in training. doesn't matter what the weight is. Right. Because, like, when you get into that white state, right, that, that, yeah, that uh, flow uh, state, yeah. you don't care what's on the bar. No. Right? You just go to what you know, like, in your heart, like, in your, in your brain, you know, unconscious. And if all that is is makes, it doesn't matter what's on the bar. You're right. going to make it. Yeah. It's, 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 I think Sean and I are both very adamant about the idea of long-term yeah, preparation. Of course. And, yeah. But it's ne- it's negligent on a coach's part to ignore that for right. any reason, right? Now, it's different. It's totally different if someone is 27 or 30 years old, comes in the gym and says, hey, I want to learn weightlifting as a hobby for fun. And, I, you know, like, great. That's someone doing it for fitness. The competitive sport of weightlifting, not, it's negligent to not use the the structure of long-term development in an athlete and, and to exploit the early results now and, and you know push really hard and develop as quickly as you possibly can for the sake of Instagram or whatever it is. And then later on that lifter has no ability to improve on their on the results. Yeah. And you see this process happen. People without a fundamental understanding of it, it's really difficult to identify because we're talking about things that occur over the course of six months, a year. Right. Pushing, pushing, pushing. Hey, PR, PR, we're doing great. This is the way to do it. We do this, this exercise and train like that and we max out every Friday and blah, blah, blah. And it looks like a great program. But you don't realize what you're actually doing probably because one, people don't track the metrics enough. You know, one, one variable that people definitely don't track is like how many, how many times could someone walk up to you and tell you what the percentage of misses and makes they have in training are? Right? That's an easy metric to track. You yeah. track total volume and then number of times you missed. If you have people that are missing in excess of 10% of their lifts, that's fucking that's terrible. That's you think about right? you got 400 lifts in a week, you're missing 40 of them. Yeah. How do you miss 40 lifts and, and think that you're getting better? Yeah. And, and then the, the other thing is the more intense the load, the more significant the adaptations are going to be, right? We know that. We discussed that earlier, right? Yeah, so yeah. if you're missing 99, 95, 98% weights, 5 out of 10 tries or 5 out of 7 tries, right. you just solidified a shitload of bad motor right. patterns and failures and, you know, that your dad's never going to love you and that all the kids <laughs> from high school thought you were a loser definitely still think you are. Like, you just hammered that home more and more yeah. and more. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's it's you know it's up to the coaches, yeah. Especially with young kids, to it's a full scale development. You know, it's not it's not your clean and jerk. It's it's their it's their courage, their grit. You know, all that stuff you got to develop, and you do that by nurturing them through that process, not beating them with a hammer. You know, yes. and that's why I, that's why I'm not a fan of youth weightlifting. I not in it not in it not how it is now. Like to me, it should be all technique meets. Right, so percentage of body weight on the bar. Yeah. They go out there and they get judged on the quality of the of the lift, not how much they lift. You get like yeah, a so score, like ten points. Right. And youth you is can, youth is up to what? Fifteen. Fifteen. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I don't. I, I I don't worry about that top end. I'm so, worried about the the bottom end. All right. So like eight nine years old. What the hell are you doing? I know. So this is what. <laughs> It's actually, you know, because a lot Sean's of coaches, a it's a, it's a, they take a friendly kind of guy. It's a, it's a point of pride for a lot of coaches. Oh, I've got this youth national champion. 
I want a world champion. I want a senior world champion. Yes, exactly. So, but you start then, right? <laughs> you start then, and you. But you gotta. You gotta. I mean, it's a. You gotta nurture it. Yeah, you gotta of nurture course. Them. Of course. Yeah. And you gotta bring them through, and you gotta take care of them, and you gotta. You gotta bring them along slow, and and you gotta. You just gotta give them time. The things that make you the best thirteen-year-old are not the same things that make you the best twenty-three-year-old. Right. Yeah. Right? I mean. I mean, that's a great way to put it. And it's just, it's backwards to me. You know, because like other countries, they have, you know, levels like sports schools and, you know, they, and they, and they have a process on, on what, what is it, what is it eight to a, to an 11 year old do, right? They have a process for that. And Sean, I think, story about the sports school. I think I just, before that story, the USAW level two was actually pretty, pretty great in that it talked about this exact thing yeah and and i think you have two conflicting things because we have youth national championships so that means we have to push kids to lift yeah, heavy weights yeah. I get maximally it. but at the same time at the usaw level two they're like kids have them come in and play like it's important to get them to play it's important it's, to get them yeah, to- i mean it's easier to be like i mean I don't know if you guys are religious, but like, even the Bible says a lot of stuff about being like, you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that people preach about being good and bad or whatever, but like, when the shit hits the fan, what are it's coaches It's endemic doing? of coaches yeah, to coaches do this. Doing? Yeah. And then, what does it say to, out of one side of your mouth, say, hey, youth athletes should perform and train like this, and the other side, you turn around, you've got a youth national championship, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you're, you're it's, sending you're conflicting literally, messages. It's always right? been a concern, you know, yeah. of mine. And uh, like I, I, th- I think it's a conflicting, definitely yeah. conflicting. But what was your story about the sports oh, this, schools? Uh, Martin Pasha, my good Bulgarian friend, told me that when he was a kid and went to sports school, he they had like these physical tests you had to do, and he's real young, and he failed every one of them. He couldn't do a pull-up, <laughs> he couldn't run a mile fast enough, and he was probably like 12, 13 years old, just failed everything miserably. At the time, he was still he was started smoking, you know, cigarettes because that was cool uh, in Bulgaria, and uh, you know, he fails all these tests and he goes up to like the, the teacher, kind of comes to him at one point, and is like, "Pashov, oh, well, your dad was a really good weightlifter. You can go on through. You can be a weightlifter." <laughs> <laughs> it really? was like, yeah, he was like, it really was just like by that time, it's just not. I think that our perception of it is a little more exaggerated than what it was. I, I think that a lot of it is. Because he said, too, like, you know, like, at 13, that's when they were, like, taking, everyone started taking D-ball in high school. Like, that's just the system. And that's, I've heard that same story from many people, like, around the, you know, yeah, that's the system. You right? know, I think we ha- we, we think they're doing something more sophisticated uh, than yes. they are. And I, I think that, yeah, yeah, basically, like, the, the, especially the Bulgarian, like, Bulgaria as a state of of you know the soviet union i can't picture them putting together some robust program in wherein you know we want to take our children and guide them the right way and everything the saying goes but i also i would like to think that it wasn't just abijayev just slamming kids with d-ball and just lifting heavy no by the time this, they got him they were already adults yeah. so I mean, he didn't touch the kids the saying goes that every country has criminals but in Bulgaria, the criminals have a country. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are like I, I, when I, I was at Worlds, and I saw you know I I, I got to watch all, all the countries. And, they were there, huh? They had some guys there. They, they but did. Twenty yeah. years decimated. Had no clue 
<laughs> on what to do in the back. I mean, they were terrible. I mean, <laughs> they it was, have, yeah. They I bombed. Mean, I mean, Markov went zero for six. Well, so I mean, I'm so I so we got people <laughs> in the back room, hand. you know, uh, that are spotters for the for the for the TV, and they're uh, and they're and they're texting us like what's going on, like who's doing what. So you know, Markov was mi- like missed terribly his last warm up, and he just go out, go out there, go up and go out there. Like he had no, like he had no shot, and it's just Ivanov is is like is nearly like punch. I mean, it's it was a total. Yeah, Ivanov's coaching God. Yeah, he's like four times as big as he used to be. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. Fifty six. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, but it's like a total chaos back there, making yeah. more bad calls, missing declarations. Yeah. I mean, it's like you would think that it's the best of the best over there. Don't meet your uh, heroes. Holy yeah. shit! It, I mean, they the Armenians, it's just. The Mexicans were making mistakes. I mean, it was a total shit show. I think that's that's something that to me has been eye opening because it's like everything else. You have this perception of of like, oh, the rest of the world has their shit buttoned up, and then you watch and you're like, they're no different than us. No different than they're us. No different. Maybe they have a better. It's no different. Like if you see all these big buildings around here, these big companies, some are run really well, some are run like shit, right? But from the outside, they all look like they've got stuff going on right yeah. big building cool sign but when you get into it you're like oh shit like does China just make mistakes yeah probably I mean just like anyone they, else like there's a lot of countries and you see this too the Bulgarians were like you're just they're floundering right and and that's that's I think where we can really shine in that we have in this country the ability to turn everyone around us into better lifters and better coaches because we have so much access to you know, it's the greatest country in the world. We have access to everything, course, yeah. money, technology, I mean, infrastructure, all that stuff exists here on tenfold. So you couldn't tell me that the U.S. can't show up and have every single I dotted and every single T crossed, and that won't give us an advantage over countries that have little things. Check this eaten, out. Eaten away so out. North Korea was, so uh, Nat Aram has a good, decent relationship with the, with the North Koreans. Yeah. So they have zero, the coaches have zero access to the internet. So they have no idea what their competitors are doing. Right. So they were asking Nat if they can, if they can, if he can give them video of the Chinese. Wow. So I, here's another thing. So, so uh, they sent him Diane Fu videos. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> so, here's, so here's another one. So I, I won't I won't mention who the lifter is, but uh, an, uh, uh, an Iranian lifter. Sure, Ma Strength, my bad, Ma Strength. Ma Strength, there you go. <laughs> Diane, that's why I was laughing. I know Diane. I'm friends yeah. with Diane. Diane, yeah, it's just. Um, so, uh, 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 one of the top Iranian lifters who wasn't at Worlds didn't show up at Worlds because he didn't think he had to. He thought that oh, it's no problem. <laughs> That the team is going to qualify enough spots. Well, he I was reading the USAW's version of the rules. <laughs> so he didn't show up because he didn't think he had to. So, yeah. like, you think that, you know, so, these countries got it together, but, but then, they don't. But then the bottom line, though, like... I mean, he I, can do a, a near 400 total at 96, so or 410 or whatever. So right. if he did show up, he'd do well, but it's pretty funny that he didn't show up. <laughs> so, so why... Why then, or, or what's it going to take to get us to get more than one clean and jerk medal? More and, the same. I mean, uh, just keep if, doing what we're doing. If, if, you know, if 
if we're hard, still in know, the Olympics right. after 2024, then more of the same. For 2024, though, right? Is it been... 2024 would be the one that we'll know. So well, we'll yeah, if that. Kazakhstan doesn't just fuck it yeah. up for everybody. It'd be, I mean, this is something that drives me fucking crazy. It would be so easy to, to hammer the drug testing thing home. You would, there's so many simple rules. One, lifetime sanction for anyone who fails to test. It's just that simple. Just lifetime ban. You're just done. Yeah. There are how many times has a, a B sample turned up negative and someone has gotten off? One. Yeah. One time. Right? Right. Yeah. How many times has it been your girlfriend put something in your protein shake and they got off? A few times, right? So lifetime sanctions. A country that fails three or more lifters. We wouldn't you're have booted, then, you're you know? booted for well but but is he the problem? We wouldn't have Tatiana. We wouldn't have Lasha. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have, have Rahimov. We wouldn't have... Then, then the sport changes. Like, it's just that simple. It's like, you can't, out of one side of your mouth, say, you want it clean so we can do well, and the I'm other say, you. like, I love these guys. And I like them. I don't even have a problem with what they're doing. Right? I know that I can just do a better job with the lifters I have. That's my concern. Yeah. But if you really want to change it, you've got to make drastic moves. I just, just saw... I don't disagree, but what my problem... Like, I have a... I'm a bit of a conspiracy conspiracy theory guy, right? So, I don't trust the the, the testing process. Oh, of course not. So, like, I especially Wada is is out of control. But so I, I I would feel better if there was a, a foolproof if there's such thing exists way of knowing that what we're seeing if it's a fail test it's a fail test if it's a if it's a pass test it's a pass test. Yeah, we're not there yet. Until we get there, we can't. The only way to get there is to make it, is to get rid of drug testing. It's the only foolproof method. And, right. You know, because if there is, if humans are involved, corruption exists. Right. Right. And yeah. so then, you know, it's. But it's, we can't. We're never gonna get there. right. So yeah. then it's like the closest you can get is is to be so strict and so harsh that at some point any mistake you make. Right. You're, you're, you, you, you push it into this situation where you either ease up on drug testing and fail more people, right? And you're catching more because the easier you are on drug testing, the more aggressive people will be. Right. Or you tighten up on drug testing, in which case people get better at it. So the IOC has to look at it and say, what do we want? We don't want to show people failed tests. So you tighten up because then people get better. And then when you have a failure, it's unique. It's more rare. So right. we're in a, we're if you a, go the other way, it, it's just sloppier. It's a crazy situation because if we are really stringent against uh, drug testing, we start catching a lot of people. We're going to get thrown out of the Olympics. Yeah, that's the, I that's know, the that's problem. A, that's so the, it's that's like, the what do you do? Yeah, it's... Right. It, it. Well, I mean, like, for one, you, I mean, there's obviously corruption because Russia's back in. Like, that's just insane. After, I mean, but the, key, the crazy everything. thing, like... So, you know, being in Kazakhstan, you know, I was in the hotel with the, with the delegate, with the officials, you know, and from all the countries. Uh-huh. And, you know, you get talking to some of these guys, uh, and, you know, there's still, like, there's a block of countries that either don't believe or believe in or be- that uh, with, with, drug, with drug testing. Like, they are adamantly against drug testing, and they will not stop using drugs. So... I, I don't know how you get past that. Like, there's countries that are going to screw it up for us. Right. For everybody. Not right. just us, but, but, but everybody. Yeah. You know, like, in voting, like, they just, they, they go out of there. Like, it's just, it's the, I think, like, part, like, some of these countries when, the, when you know, the average uh, age, uh, 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 you know, people live 50 years, 55 <laughs> years. 
like they don't care. Like it's just they're just gonna do what they're gonna do because they're gonna be dead soon anyway. Based on the food choices out here, the average age of Milwaukee is about yeah. <laughs> Guys, I have to. Uh, yeah, that, that's I, enough. I, I gotta um, go. Okay, Sean. Uh, yeah, if you guys want to check Sean out, what do you. Uh, Waxmansgym.com. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, in um, customized, uh, low cost programming, uh, check out Training IQ. It's uh, my algorithm, uh, the, all the logic is mine, and it's uh, customized for you. It's low cost. It's, uh, I mean, Juggernaut's doing uh, the AI, the, uh, AI for uh, powerlifting. Machines are goddamn. Machines comes out next year. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Machines are taking taking over. They will. So we uh, so uh, we beat you to it finally. Yes. But, all right, uh, but uh, waxergym.com and all the the interweb and yeah. all that good stuff. All right. But uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks Max, for coming. It was a pleasure. Yeah. We got to continue this conversation. Yes. Good. Now that Sean's gone, we yeah, can talk about, about him. Anyways, <laughs> Zach will edit out that whole. Uh, promotion about Sean's training programs. You want to check out Max uh, underscore eight on Instagram or Max at JTSStrength.com if you really want to get good programming. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sean's very good. Sean's a, a no, great coach. Yeah, so uh, I, I think we're going to wrap it up. That's, you know, that's good, a good length episode. Uh, guys, stay tuned for the next Training Make episode. Uh, I will try to put this one on YouTube with some clips over the top um, where I'll actually have Alex do that. He always has his work cut out for him when I send him these. Um, but that's it. We'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.